Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. She was unavailable for a live chat this afternoon, so I talked to her this morning. Allison Shane, I call her the, uh, she is a social media maven. She knows uh, so much about social media. She's the president and owner of Starling Social here in Winnipeg. The website is starling.social, S-T-A-R-L-I-N-G dot social. And I wanted to chat with her because Donald Trump's tweets, now he's been on Twitter for a long time, and his tweets have become infamous, I would say. Um, Some would say famous, others would say infamous. Um, But Donald Trump's tweets are now getting, at least some of them are, are now getting a a label, uh, a fact-check label. Twitter is saying, whoa, um, you may want to check the facts uh, in check the information in this tweet from Donald Trump to make sure uh, that it is factual. And so I chatted with Allison Shane about that earlier today. Hi. Nice to chat with you. How are you managing through the pandemic? Uh, you know, it's as good as anyone can, I, I guess. I've uh, been able to go out, outside a little bit more, so that's been nice. I wanted to ask you about what Twitter is doing to President Donald Trump. His tweets <laughs> now are getting a fact-check label from Twitter. Uh, what do you think of that idea? Honestly, Hal, I think it's a little, it, it's too little too late. Mm. Um, uh, myself and lots of other people have been pushing for more restrictions to curb the spread of misinformation on the platform. Um, Twitter has recently introduced a little bit, uh, we were kind of talking before we were taping about mm-hmm. uh, new restrictions that they put in to curb the spread of misinformation, specifically about COVID-19. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty unprecedented move for Twitter. They've never done anything like this to date, but they have basically let this information run rampant so long on the platform that I'm not really sure if it's going to do anything at this point other than make the situation worse. So I'm not thrilled about it. I'm glad they finally did something, but like I said, it's really too little too late at this point. Well, and it might be too little too late for Donald Trump, but what about everybody else? Is this something that maybe we should be seeing more of, especially on Twitter? Because you and I have talked about this before. Twitter seems to be one of the worst platforms in social media when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yes, um, I do think that fact-checking and things like that should be uh, more prevalent on Twitter. Right now, from what I understand, this is a manual process. So there are actual humans who are manually reviewing content that's getting flagged in their system. And the problem with that, the challenge with that system is because they're doing it at such a late stage in the game, there's so much information that, like, there's a lot of speculation about whether or not this is actually going to make a real difference on the platform, other than just, Maybe now your tweet, your Twitter, your tweet just has like a little exclamation point next to it or something like that. Like it might not do anything about like in terms of changing the culture on the platform. Mm-hmm. This just sort of feels like I said a little bit too late in terms of curbing that spread. We have though seen during the COVID nineteen pandemic a lot more misinformation out there, especially relating to this virus. We do have to deal with these problems somehow, don't we? Yes, we do. And I mean, you and I have talked about the spread of misinformation a ton of times before. And what I always come back to and the advice that I always give people is do your own research. Don't just take what you see on the Internet at face value, especially on Facebook, especially on Twitter and go out of your way. Like if you see something and even if even if you go, oh, that's really, you know, that's useful information. I like what I see. 
fact check it, mm-hmm. Google it, you know, yeah. do a little bit of your own research. And the unfortunate part about kind of the situation that we're in now is that it really is on individual people to do their own research. And that burden kind of falls to us as the regular consumer. Cause like I said, Twitter hasn't really done a good job of regulating that information to date. And as I've said many times, you know, as you said, do research, but back it up by going to a trusted site, right? Whether it's cjrb.com or, or wherever it is, you read all kinds of things out there. Make sure you back it up, even if you don't want to go and do a bunch of extensive research. Even just go to a site that you know is legit and, and find out there. Yeah, and like to your point, like CJOB is a really great example. Like listening to programs with diverse views where people are talking about stuff, mm-hmm. um, where people are having actual discussions, not just the same news source that you like or, you know, the same news source that your buddy likes, but read a couple of different things, talk to some friends, have yeah. conversations, and be open to, you know, maybe something you read is incorrect but maybe something someone else is incorrect. And we all kind of have to be working together to stop the spread of misinformation and to keep each other safe, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What have you been blogging about lately? COVID. What else is anyone (laughs) talking about? Right, yes. That's what anyone's talking about these days. Uh (laughs) And what's been on your mind? Uh, Honestly, I'm just hoping that the province continues to flatten the curve. I've been really, really proud of my fellow Manitobans. We've all been doing such a good job, and it's, you know, like I said at the, the start of our chat, like I'm going outside. It's nice to see other human beings. And, you know, my like as far as my company goes, like we all work remotely. So my day to day life hasn't changed. But obviously, we've been helping our clients adapt and mm-hmm. all that. And it's just been a really big time of trending, like change and transition for everybody. And like, frankly, as I'm sure everyone else is, I'm looking forward to getting back to normal hopefully yeah. sooner than later. And I imagine what you do at Starling Social is even more important the last couple of months with COVID-19. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that's probably an understatement. It's been really interesting. Like several of our clients, so we've had to throw out complete marketing plans for the entire year. Um, we've had to completely review things for several clients. And we've had a lot of people who previously I talked to in informal settings or at like, you know, chamber events and things like that, who had literally said like, my business doesn't need social media. Why do I need a website? I can go to meetings like this and talk to people. And COVID is really changing people's perception of how they need to do business. So yeah, I would say, you know, I'm biased, but social media and digital marketing and a, and a business's digital presence is way more important than ever before. Well, and if anybody needs you or wants to find out more about you and what you're doing, starling.social, S-T-A-R-L-I-N-G dot social. Allison, thanks a lot. Oh, always, uh, always a pleasure, Hal. Take care. Joining us now, Michael Mark. Uh, he is a landlord. He owns some apartments on Waterfront Drive, and the other day, Uh, When we were talking about all the crime on the weekend where police were dealing with 22 serious calls, uh, including stabbings and uh, gunshots, uh, 22 calls in a 24-hour period on the weekend. I got a text here from our next guest, Michael Mark. Michael, good afternoon. Hi, Hal. How are you doing? Good. Thanks a lot for doing this. Um, so you're, you've had it. You're for us. Let me just read a couple lines out of your, uh, text message here. And, and, and I'm a landlord and I, I hear you. I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, Hal, uh, breaking into cars, breaking windows, graffiti. Uh, Mayor Bowman doesn't care. Cops don't care. No one cares. I spent $35,000 last year upgrading building security. I have to protect my tenants. Um, you sent me a picture of a window that was busted up, 
uh, cost you $500. I mean, it goes on and on and on, and I, I hear you. you. You just kind of had enough, eh? Yeah, I built two buildings on Waterfront Drive, 500 and I built those buildings because I wanted to be part of downtown revitalization. And I love the city, right? And Waterfront Drive is a beautiful street. And the building is full, and ever since Bowman became mayor, the crime has gone up, car break-ins have gone up, and it just, it, it's getting worse every year. And uh, do you really put the blame at the foot of the mayor, or, or is it the system? Like, wh- wh- well, I know you, you know mentioned what? Bowman in your text message. Well, Brian Bowman, things were better with Sand Cates, in my opinion, okay? So when Bowman became mayor, he raised property taxes, frontage taxes, water rates, user fees, bus fares, meter parking, and the list goes on. And people just don't have any, any money now. And when people have no money, crime goes up, meth use, drug use goes up, and it's, it, it's a matter of fact. I mean, the statistics don't lie. Yeah, uh, you know, and we're certainly seeing more meth now, for example, and that's contributed to it. I, I hear what you're saying about Mayor Bowman. Um, you know, I just wonder how much of the blame uh, you can put with him. Uh, but, but when you say cops don't care, I don't think it's that, and this is just my opinion, right, Michael, where you're here just having a, a, a chat, a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they don't care. It's when they're busy dealing with 22, you know, serious incidents in 24 hours it's hard to deal with the broken windows. I agree, and but but that that the solution is is money. People have no money. People put the harvest uses up. Uh, there's more homeless people, and it just it's getting worse. I'd like to know where the solution is. Right? Yeah, that's the key. What is the solution? And and I don't know. Uh, I have said. You know, do many times ask the question, do we need more uh, cops on, on the streets? Do we need more boots on the ground? I, I you know think when I we're think dealing how? with a big problem like meth, I think we, I think we do for a time. No, I, I think we need the Bear Clan. The Bear Clan have done phenomenal work, and I really think that we need them downtown. We need them downtown more than ever. I know that they're in North Point Douglas, and they're doing a great job, but... We need them on Waterfront Drive. We have to start a Bear Clan waterfront now, and, and I'm not kidding. And I'm willing to pay money to help them. And we had a meeting a few months ago with all the condo owners, uh, the, the building managers of the condo buildings on Waterfront Drive, and they have it worse than I do, and everyone's really fed up. And then I also I look at the Alexander Docks, which are disgusting, and Waterfront Drive looks like a garbage dump now. And Center Venture promised me in 2010 that they would do it really quickly and make Waterfront Drive a showpiece and, and redo the Alexander Docks, make it into a park. And Tina Fontaine was found under the Alexander Docks six years ago. Why haven't they made her a monument? Like, why hasn't anybody done anything? Yeah, you're bringing up a lot of really good points here. And Waterfront Drive should be that gem that it was talked about, right, Michael? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I went on a cruise in 2017 from Switzerland to Amsterdam down the Rhine River, a thousand kilometers. It was amazing. All the small cities, they love the waterways. They celebrate their waterways. And in Winnipeg, we don't. Why isn't the Alexander Docks repaired or made into a park and have a nice splash dash from the Alexander Docks to the Forks? Like, you know, it's a no-brainer to me. 
Yeah, and I think you're right, too, when something like the Bear Clan works so well, and it is re- really working well. So you talked to James Fable, then? Is is he well, interested no, in helping you? Because we, I, I had my maintenance guy, John, who lives at 500 Waterfront Drive, to con- try to contact the Bear Clan, but they never called him back. But James is a great guy. He's got his heart in the right spot, and he loves Winnipeg. And we need him on Waterfront Drive. I mean... You're right, the cops can only do so much, right? I mean, we have video. I got hours of video. I put high-resolution cameras there. We had guys break into cars, and then they took a check, a canceled check from one of my tenants, and they cashed it at a TD bank, and we have all the information, but the cops didn't didn't even come down, right? And that the cops aren't the solution. It's the Bear Clan. It's got to be on the ground, on the ground level, right? We have to look after the homeless. I can build... 500 apartments for $25 million, and we could, I, uh, you know, because I'm a developer, well, I quit now because mm-hmm. I had the heart attack, but I can build for under 100 bucks a square foot, and we can house the homeless, and that, that's a good start. People need a roof over their head. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't, you know, comment on mental illness and stuff because I'm not a medical doctor, but, I mean, people need a home, and we got to give them a roof over their head, like sleeping in, in, in a shelter, is not the solution to anything, okay? Yeah. You're talking about a lot of problems that need to be addressed, and, and they're questions that I've asked many times, too. How do we get there? Um, let me ask you one more thing, and then I want to get on to some other cool stuff that's, that's oh. uh, happening with you, because okay. I, I like some uh, some of the other stuff that you told me about in your text message, too. Okay. Do you regret 500 Waterfront Drive, the apartments? Do you regret it? Do you wish you hadn't done it? Uh, no, I don't, because I have one and a half acres on Waterfront Drive. It's beautiful. My rents are really reasonable. I'm providing housing for people. The views are amazing. In fact, I kept one apartment for myself on the fourth floor. I set up a ham radio station there just for the heck of it, and I have the best the best views in Winnipeg. It's it's stunning. The energy of the sun that that is in you know in the sky all day, and of course the energy of the of the Red River flowing north. You can't not feel the energy of of the river and the sun. It it it's actually it's a sacred it's a sacred piece of land. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, Michael, I really appreciate the text message the other day. And uh, from one landlord to another, I know the frustrations of our business. I certainly don't have it at your level, <laughs> as many uh, suites. But I, I know the frustrations that come with being a landlord, and I, I wish you the best. And who knows, maybe we can work together to try and uh, address some of the things that you've talked about, because I, I think we do need to do something about these issues not just in the area that you're talking about but right across our city for sure i want to talk about something else that's more fun yes let's talk your heart and mention you had a heart attack in uh 2019 yeah not quite a year ago and and saint b saved your life talk about that yeah saint boniface was great uh i'm 57 i was 165 pounds i eat healthy and I went to work on Canada in the morning, went home for a nap, and then I couldn't breathe. Uh, I didn't feel good. I broke out in sweat, so I called the ambulance. And I'll make a long story short. I, I did manage to go to St. Beef with emergency surgery, and I had two stents put in. I don't remember a damn thing because they took me from Victoria Hospital, and I asked for a painkiller. So when I woke up, my wife was in the operating room, and she's crying and stuff. And I said, can we go home now? She goes, no, you're going to ICU anyways. Dr. John Dukas, 
uh, saved my life. He gave me two stents, and they said it was hereditary. I've never had high blood pressure before. And when they say heart attack is a silent killer, it is, because if I didn't call an ambulance and go to the hospital, I wouldn't be here today. So anyway, check your blood pressure, everybody. So I love yeah. St. Pete. Well, Saint listen, Paul I'm glad is- I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad it worked out and when I when I saw that uh, your story and that you you know said that uh, John and St. B saved your life, I I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And then this is kind of cool too. Okay. Um I, when we can when we can have a coffee uh Michael, I want to have a yep. coffee with you because you sound like a cool guy. So okay. you've written a screenplay and yep, you sent I, I it did. off to Keanu Reeves in Los Angeles. That's it's right. called Landlord 911. Tell me yeah. about this. Yeah, I wrote a screenplay uh, this year, and it was basically just when the uh, virus started. We're not very busy at work. I have an engineering practice, and, of course, the construction's been mm. really slow. And uh, so I wrote a screenplay yeah. called Landlord 911. I'm also a published author before I published my biography in 2007, so I'm not a bad writer. And so I wrote a screenplay and Landlord 911, and it was based on my experiences as a landlord on Waterfront Drive, and it's based on the building. And I won't get into it too much, but I will read you my log line, and the log line is, Developer Michael fulfills his dream of building an apartment complex downtown along a beautiful river, while drug dealer tenants and homeless scum destroy his dream. Michael has to take the law into his own hands, as the cops and the mayor do not care. So I sent it to Keanu, well, and he actually has it. I sent it to an address in Los Angeles that I know he was going to get it. And then today I mm-hmm. sent uh, his his uh, I think his, his agent a copy. And then of course I sent Sasha Gervais a copy of the screenplay. And he's Sasha's friends with Keanu. And Sasha did a movie called The Story of Anvil in uh, 2009. And uh, Sasha's an mm-hmm. amazing writer. He also wrote the screenplay for. Um, the terminal that okay. uh, Tom yeah. Hanks uh, starred in. Yeah, the terminal. Right. 2004. Well, listen, Michael. Good, good luck with it. Good luck with it. Let us know if it becomes a movie. Who yeah, knows? Like, Maybe Keanu will say I like the story and, and he'll buy it. You know, I, I only need a dollar. I, I have enough. I have enough money. I'm, I don't need the money. <laughs> so it's free. I have Michael, one dollar, and thank- you know what? They can make the movie in Winnipeg because we have that tax film credit in Manitoba. And we have some yeah. great people that make make uh, movies in, in Winnipeg and, and Manitoba. So, uh, sure. yeah, it's it just for fun. Hey. Yeah. Michael, thanks for the text the other day, and I appreciate the conversation. And I think you bring up a lot of points, and a lot of people would agree with you on a lot of what you just said. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a good afternoon, and you call me anytime, okay? All right. Michael Mark, he owns... The apartment's at 500 Waterfront Drive, and he's concerned that the crime is out of control. And uh, what is he to do about it? Joining us now from beautiful downtown Calgary, Dave Rowe, a sports anchor at Global News Radio 770 CHQR. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Al. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, so uh, the Jets and the Flames. Listen, there's a plan uh, it's uh, quite an elaborate plan. Fingers crossed this will happen and we'll get some hockey in. And if we do, it's going to be uh, the Flames and our Jets. Are Flames fans excited about this in Calgary? 
Uh, you know, Flames fans would be excited if they were playing the Mighty Ducks. So, you know, not the NHL Mighty Ducks. I'm talking about, you know, the team from the movie <laughs> kind of thing. But, uh, you know, look, everyone here is just uh, is just jazzed. There's at least a plan to get back to hockey. There's there's still a ton of moving parts here. Yeah. And I, Actually, I thought one of our guys here who writes for The Athletic put it best. He said, hey, if you think two weeks of hype is too much to get ready for the Super Bowl, how about two months of getting ready for Calgary and Winnipeg? Because, hey, at least, you know, we could, we could start at least talking about the idea of hockey and, uh, you know, not about sicknesses and quarantines and testing. Yeah, as you point out, we're a couple of months away from, uh, you know, a series like that actually getting going. Um, and we'll see. What do you think? What do you put the chances at uh, of this happening at, uh, Dave? 50-50? Better than that? Where, where are you at on this? I'm, I'm at the optimistic end. I'm uh, I'm almost at 100%. And, uh, you know, I mean, I say it's not that I'm looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. I just think that there's too many people with too much power who want and need this to happen. And that, to me, starts with Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman already has it on his copybook that he was on the watch. He was the commissioner one year when the Stanley Cup wasn't awarded. And the only other time that was that's happened was the last time we had a pandemic back in 1918. So Gary Bettman already has one year in his record book of no Stanley Cup. I don't think he wants to go down as two. He's going to find a way to make this happen. And do you think it matters that these games will likely be played in a hub city or hub cities and that there won't be big crowds? Do you think fans care at this point or they just want a game? They, they, the fans just want a game, and actually, I just, uh, I just got a long Cisco web call with uh, with the Flames, Brad Treliving, and Coach Jeff Ward, and, and Mark Giordano, and and they were asked like those same kind of questions. And you know, Jeff Ward was asked about you know the, the interim coach was asked about the integrity of this Stanley Cup, and he says, look. Given the circumstances, given everything that these teams have been through and the fact that you're going to have to go into special circumstances and you still have to win you know, as many as five rounds to win the Stanley Cup, this Stanley Cup could mean more than, uh, more than any other Stanley Cup. And Mark Giordano said, you know, yeah, you know, you're going to miss the crowd and all that, but he says as soon as the puck drops to the players, all of that gets tuned out. And it and he's excited about the possibility because you know this isn't like you're going back to to game one. You're not going to be playing you know games that don't mean a whole lot in the middle of uh, November or January. Every minute, every second, every shift of every game is going to have that playoff intensity. You're going from zero to a hundred in no time flat. Well, and that's my final question for you: What will the games look like? Because it's not really playoff hockey. These teams haven't spent months getting to where they're at. They're at the peak of their performance. We're talking about guys that haven't been playing hockey for a while, and then they'll rush into these series, right? Yeah, I think uh, you know. I, I think sort of the first periods of uh, the first couple of games, you might see guys just being a, a little bit tentative out there, just trying to get back up to speed. You know, but the first time someone gets rubbed into the boards, the first time someone gets the stinky glove. You know, the first time that uh, a team is facing elimination in this series, it's uh, it's going to crank right up. It, it is it's it's going to be fascinating from a hockey standpoint. You know, just to see how quickly the intensity ramps up. Dave, thanks a lot. Hopefully, we can have you on uh, toward the end of July, and we'll make a bet on the series. What do you say? Yeah, you bet. Let's yeah, let, let's wait till we get a little bit closer here before we start talking game film. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate your time. Anytime. Dave, 
Dave Rowe is a sports anchor at 770 CHQR in Calgary. Uh, when and if there is hockey, that first round will be the Jets and the Flames. Excited? Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.